Welcome to episode 17 here on Captives of Truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Olivares, and what a privilege it is to be back with you all again on this new episode. Um, I apologize in advance if you hear echoing or uh, um, air conditioning in the background. We just recently moved places and I'm here recording in my basement. So um, I thank the Lord that um, this is still possible. Uh, today, as you can tell by the title, uh, we are going to be dealing with an important subject that is uh, valuable for Christian uh, Christians all over the world. Um, uh, this is a passage from 1 John chapter 2, 15 all the way to 17, uh, also known as love not the world or do not love the world. Um, it is a reality that we live in this world. It is um, a reality that we are having to survive in it and um are affected by its systems, its relationship with people, and and all sorts of things, uh, but yet we are commanded with this extreme uh, condition uh, that we are not to love the world. Um, it's important uh, because in today's Christianity, especially now that there's so many trends, so many new things that are popping out, um, it is a reality that even our young people in our churches are confused. Um, to who they're supposed to be listening to, what the limits are, and is Christianity pragmatic? Is it optional? Is it something that I could set to the side? Is it something that I observe only every Sunday? Or um, can I live for the world and also serve the Lord Jesus Christ at the same time? And I think that's very valuable considering the fact that it is them, they are the next generation that are going to continue uh, the very work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and But not only the young people, but even people who have been in ministry for a long time. Um, perhaps this episode might uh, raise uh, conviction to you, enlightenment to you, in a way that really will stir your heart um, to come and seek God even deeper than, it, uh, than you've had before. And really, this is the whole point of this episode today, is to raise the value of not loving the world. And if there's anything I would like to say before we read the text is that our call, the salvation call of Christ to the sinner, is a call that is self-denying and not self-seeking. Uh, when we were called, we were called to finally obey God, to worship God, to be free to obey and not free to disobey. And so there is great commandment here in 1 John 2.15 that we have to pay attention to that I feel um, led uh, to um, do a brief exhortation of what this text brings to us as believers. And so I hope it helps you out here. Let's, let's get into the text in 1 John 2.15. Scripture says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, we have to make a clear distinction that there is a big difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God pertains to the righteousness of God, holiness of God, the will of God, and everything that pertains to God. The kingdom of God is only concerned in glorifying God's ultimate will, his purposes. On the other hand, the kingdom of the world pertains to nothing but corruption, nothing but wickedness, nothing but misalignment from the very will of God. 
And in this text, the word world in this passage refers to the corrupt system of the world. When John says we are not to love the world, what he's saying is that we should not embrace, neither be in devotion to, or be committed to loving the systems of this world. He doesn't go into deep specifics in this text, but he gives us three general statements of what's inside the world. If we know that the kingdom of God pertains to righteousness, then what is the kingdom of this world pertain to? I had mentioned corruption, but John breaks it down into three different general terms, and he uses the statements desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three general statements are what we find in this world. If there's anything to describe this world right now in its fallen state, it's nothing but desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and pride of life. And that's a scary thing, but it's a reality. The beauty of it is that Christ came down to save us from this corruption, and that one day there's also going to be a great renovation of this earth, according to Romans chapter 8, Revelation 21. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth. Even the people on it will no longer be found in sin uh, because it's been long gone and taken care of, and God's going to place in a new heaven, new earth where there's no more corruption, but all of the earth is going to be um, redeemed of its evil, uh, from its evil, and it's going to uh, receive nothing but the beauty of God's promises. And Paul makes that very clear in Romans 8, that creation groans, um, all of creation groans, the nature groans, we groan, and so it's a reality that we live in. But for those who are not in Christ, this is the very conditions that they're in. Th these three modes, these three methods of temptation really are all that's happening in this world. Uh, the desires of the flesh, what does that pertain to? Um, we consider ourselves as flesh-bound creatures. Uh, we have natural desires. As human beings, we desire to eat food, to drink water, to live in a shelter, uh, to have relationships with people. Um, we have sexual passions and all sorts of um, normal uh, natural desires in this flesh-bound body that we have. And as human beings, it's just normal. And these are things that uh, are not considered sin. But being of the flesh, we have to consider that we are also encompassed by our fallenness and uh, none other than sin. And because of sin, these passions, um, these there are sinful passions that rise and seek gratification. There are sinful passions that seek to be satisfied. And you can see this all over Galatians 5:19 to 21. Actually, the Apostle Paul goes into depth with uh, that vice list. Um, if you want a longer one, really, you can go to Romans chapter 1 and read all about it. Um, the vice list of, of, of the flesh, uh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. And really, you get specifics like sexual immorality, idolatry, strife, envy, um, murder, uh, all, sort, all sorts of things that bring damage to our relationship with God, relationship with man, and relationship with the objects of this world. And so these three general terms that John uses in 1 John 2 are on the ball because in this world, all you will see is these three things, the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. If you are to sum it up, really, sin. That's all we see in this world, sin. And so it's a big thing that John warns the Christians to not love the systems of the world. Number one, because they are no longer of the world. Number two, 
they're 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 not citizens of the world anymore and if indeed the world is full of sin then the believer who has been saved and redeemed has no business in adoring or committing their lives to the world and its system and so in this world in this fallen world the only system is corruption which highly focuses on satisfying only sinful pleasures and so that's what it means when it speaks of the desires of the flesh. On the other hand, the desires of the eyes uh, pertains to um, us wanting to covet or coveting the things of this world. And all around us we see things of temptation, whether it be the nice mansion, uh, the lady walking on the street, um, or the gold watch that we want to buy from the store, or money, power, possessions, people, all sorts of things everything that our eyes sees we can be tempted based on what we see and we are led to want to covet and um, have a strong passionate desire to earn and get uh, to be known and um, to receive these things to to feel a sense of achievement uh, for ourselves and really this is what the world has it has temptation that is but for the meantime and remember the temptation in the garden or in the t in the wilderness when uh, Jesus was tempted by Satan himself and he gets him to look at the world and he says all of this will be yours if you just bow the knee to me right and so it's the same thing that we every day when we look at that car on the street or whatever temptation is in our viewpoint uh, the natural desires of the flesh would want to receive it with passion and sometimes we we are sorrowful when we don't get those things but the truth is this is the mode and mentality of the earth they desire to work hard and, and and strive to receive the material things of this world and if they don't get it there's the strong passion uh, which really is something that god has not called us for and something that he does not desire of us as now new believers or believers in christ to have such a mentality like that matter, matter of fact in colossians chapter 3 we are told to set our affections on things above uh, jesus says that we are not to lay our treasures on the earth uh, but lay them up to in heaven because on the earth there's nothing but uh, rust uh, corruption and, and 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 all things toil and so um, the desires of the eyes are one of the general terms that john uses to express what's inside this world and the third one is pride of life and the pride of life is the passion of one wanting to be uh, and i'll say it wanting to be like god it's really wanting to have a great reputation to be known by society to have some sort of self-exaltation in every area of of our lives and 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 the pride of life i would say is a big big thing because really it was pride that took down uh, lucifer he wanted to be like god um, it was pride that eve fell and adam fell because they were tempted that they would be like god if they just took of that fruit and so it was pride that really um, brings our our self above god's wants and really it's the pride of life that runs the entire world uh, when it comes to ambitions, aspirations, uh, being known to society, wanting to finish school and having such a high title um, in all of it. But remember, all of these things in this world will perish. All of it will pass away. And so all the pride of humanity that uh, placed that all together will be forgotten. It will be erased because the only one that should be exalted is God. 
And the reality is that these three things are in the world. And these three are daily luring methods to fall into temptation that we fight through every single day. Those who are not in Christ are just indulging themselves in these three. But for those of you who are in Christ, this is a daily war that we fight against the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. And here's the thing though. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ in John 15 when um, he was speaking to his disciples, he makes a clear statement unto him, unto them, that they are not of the world. And that's important stuff that we must consider. The, he was telling his disciples in John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, right? If you were of the world, then the world would embrace you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So it's clear, Jesus makes a distinction that your nature is not of the world. You do not identify and recognize yourself as one who belongs to the world. You are a person who belongs to me. I chose you out of the world, and therefore, because you are not citizens of this world, the world hates you because of me. Matter of fact, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3.20, we are citizens of heaven. We are waiting for the glory that is to come while on the other hand the enemies of the cross will inherit nothing but the destruction uh, of their bellies and so uh, we who are in christ we who have uh, accepted the lord jesus christ it is inevitable that we who are saved will be hated because of the lord jesus christ don't think that the world is your friend the world is not your buddy it is not your best friend in any means, any ways. We are hated by the world. And if you think you can gain the world, you're just going to lose your soul. Uh, the Lord says, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Um, the person that saves his life in this lifetime will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my name's sake is the same that will save it. And so the point is, our calling in this in this Christian walk is really for the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. Uh, don't think that you can serve God and this world at the same time. Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve light and darkness. Paul says you cannot have uh, two masters. And so what business do you have holding uh, two different masters? Because eventually you're going to love one and hate the other, right? And so... Uh, those general points of those three statements of 1 John 2 is important for us to consider. Why are we not to love the world? Because in the world, there's nothing but destruction. Desires of the eyes, flesh, pride of life. That's all you see in this world. And so we are called and told as Christians to not love the world at all costs. Don't love it. Because all that is in the world is completely opposite to what you have been called to do and whom you have been called to. Okay, so when you read the text, he says, don't love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I think that's very, very clear. If we put our hopes and attention to the things of the world and we love the world, then the love of God is not in us. Why? Because we know for a fact that God has not called us to love the world, the systems of the world. Okay, we're not called to embrace the sinfulness of this world. And really what it's saying is that when you indulge in the sinfulness of this world, you prove that God the Father, His nature is not in you, right? 
when we get to verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father. Although James says that all heavenly things are from above, the things of the world are not heavenly, right? And the Father, when He brings things down, it is for your good. It is His divine uh, giftings. But here on the earth, these lusts of the flesh, lusts of the eyes, and pride of life, they are not from the Father, but they are from the world. And in verse 17, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Although these are three general things that the world has its mindset upon from day to day, second to second, hour to hour, the, the scripture says in verse 17 that it's passing away and it's getting closer and closer to the time where the Lord will rid this world of its evil. And but those who abide in God uh, abide forever, who does the will of God. And so here is the will of God for you and I, believers. The will of God for us is that we do not love the world, but set our heart on God. The greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Really, the will of God is that we place our complete devotion and attention on Christ. There are some reason that uh, modern Christians today find themselves in a pragmatic state. And what I mean by that is that they have set their Christianity upon their schedule and agenda that only at this time will I serve the Lord. Only in this specific portion of my life will I serve the Lord. And they have sort, sort of created this little pocket of time in their day that only at that specific segment of their day is when they are going to serve the Lord and that the other hours of the day are separate um, for themselves and the pleasures of the world and you see that's just not how it works when we have been purchased with the blood of the Lord we have been considered his temple and that means wherever we go is our worship to God and that's not just that one pocket of time you give to him matter of fact you are called to die uh, Jesus says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And so you are called to deny every single day who you are. The I within you and I is gone, and it's now becoming him. It's all about him. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I count all things loss, right? I count all of my accolades as dung, and I consider them nothing, because I only want to win Christ. I desire to know nothing among you but Christ, and I, I want to experience His suffering. I want to experience His power and His resurrection. I want nothing to do with the goods of this world because the good of this world is actually poo-poo in the eyes of the Lord. I want the things that are more valuable, the more heavenly things. And what that really is, is to suffer for Jesus on this earth, to love God with all your heart, to give him every inch of who you are, the death of who you are, so that you would please him ultimately in this lifetime. Because really, as Paul says in Philippians 3, we are not citizens of the earth, but citizens of heaven. Really, we're working and laboring for our home that is coming one day. And so if we are not to settle for this corrupt world, don't be fooled to think that this world is it. Don't be fooled to think that this is all we get now that we are redeemed. There is a hope that we look for that Peter says is our living hope, and that is the glorification of our bodies. And so don't live this life on the earth as though you are one who is embracing it with all your heart, 
one who indulges and thinks that you can be saved in Christ at the same time indulge in the sinfulnesses of the world. If you are a person that is focused on your career, you must consider yourself one who is dead in Christ. If you're a person who is out and about wanting nothing but the things of this world in many fashions, relationships, money, power, possessions, you must consider yourself as a Christian who's dead in Christ, to, dead to yourself and alive in Christ. And so let me point out one thing that's important. I think we shouldn't sleep on these. Um, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. If you have the time, I want to just read that to you. 1 John chapter, uh, sorry, 1 John 1. And then let's go to verse 5. 1 John 1, um, verse 5. Here's the point of uh, John's epistle here um, in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay? Now look at that. It's important for us to identify God's nature because this is what's going to encourage you yet convict you at the same time of why we shouldn't love the world. Here's why. Because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now compare that to the statements in chapter 2 of the world. The world is of the flesh, eyes, pride of life. And we know summed up, it's darkness. God has no business with those actions, activities. He has no relation with darkness because he in his identity, he is naturally light. Verse six, if we say we have fellowship with him, if we say we have relationship with God, we are Christians, we are born again. While we walk in darkness, we lie, okay? If we say we are in relationship with Christ, but at the same time we have embraced the world and have accepted the good, or sorry, accepted the um, the goods of the world, if you will, then you lie that you are of God because you cannot be in God at the same time love the world or walk in darkness. Uh, it's completely opposite. And do not practice the truth. So we lie and we do not practice the truth. The truth is something that we don't live by and we consider to be uh, false um, in the eyes of the Lord. Now, verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, is, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, so he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, with one another. In other words, if, it, it, if indeed you are in Christ and you walk in his light as he naturally is light, then truly we are evident, uh, evidently seen as one who has fellowship with Christ. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, right? Now, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, uh, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us right so the point there is that if we pretend that we are completely holy without any sin we're absolutely lying now really what john is trying to get at here is that he's not saying that you're going to be sinless or completely perfect now that you're in christ but he's saying that there's a big difference between one who is in christ and one who isn't one who isn't is bent toward walking in darkness the word walk there speaks of habit lifestyle right and so when you get to verse 7 when he says walk in the light this is a person that although they're not sinless or perfect they're a person who is bent toward a habit a pattern of life that is in light of in the light of christ 
and verse 7 at the end there, the blood of Christ cleanses us from our sins. And so we, are, we should never think that we are perfect, we are sinless, but the blood of the Lord has covered our sins um, until the end. Now, uh, we deceive ourselves to think that we are sinless and perfect, um, but the truth and the truth is not in us if we lie about us being um, sinless. Now, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's the whole point there. John is saying that I understand that we are of the flesh. We are people yet to be glorified. We're still living in this unglorified body. And therefore, if we do sin, because we are going to sin, and no one of us should ever think we don't sin, um, according to verse 8, but when we do sin, in verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's speaking to believers here. Normally, this is used in evangelism, uh, but really this is speaking to believers, um, to those who are in a war, treading against sin. We have an advocate. We have a mediator. We have one that has gone before us, that has forgiven us of our sins, and he cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness, right? Now, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we definitely need that cleansing every day. We definitely need to uh, assume his grace upon us because of our wickedness. We are definitely uh, people who should walk in the light because he is light. And that's the whole point of it, right? When we identify God's nature, we realize that this is God. He's light. And we should not show any different characteristics other than the one who has saved us unto himself. Now, when you get to uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, what does John continue to say? He says, My little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. So the purpose of him writing this beautiful inspired word is to prevent us from sinning. Okay? That's the whole point. The word of God is there to prevent us from sinning. And the word of God is there to prevent us and persuade us that we should not love the world. And really that's what John is warning them about. Um, there's apostates out here. There's a lot of false things going out in the world. And I'm here trying to remind you that Christ is your identity and you should not go about sinning. And so therefore I've written this for you. Um, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not, not for our, ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the way he walked. And so that's important stuff um, from what we just read there from uh, verse 1 to 6. He says, by this we know that we come to know him if we keep his commandments. Let me ask you a question. Wherever you are right now, just ask yourself this rhetorical question. Have you know, come to know that you are in Him by the bending of your life toward obedience in His commandments? Have you seen in your life the evidence of you being saved by your commitment and desire to live in His commandments? Because in verse 4, if there's anyone who says I'm a part of him, 
but I don't keep his commandments, the outcome is you are a liar. And there are several people out there that way. A claim to be religious, but really no faith and works involved. And this is what James was really aggressive about in his writing. James said, my faith will be shown by my works. And my works are the keeping of his commandments, really. Uh, faith without action is dead. Faith without works is dead, right? And so the whole point of that is that my faith will be evidently seen by my works and my works will be evidence of my nature that is in the faith. And so whoever says I, am, I know him but does not keep my commandments is a liar. John 14, 15. If any man, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? That's what the Lord Jesus said. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 5 of uh, 1 John 2. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. The one who keeps the word, and the whole point of this passage is the word of God is the one that keeps us from sinning. It is the prevention to sin, okay? And so we know that we are in him uh, because we keep his word. We know that the love of God is there. And whoever says he abides in him, if we say we walk in him, we ought to walk. That means we naturally have to. We are mandated to, to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so Christians, I want to encourage you that if you have relation with Christ, if truly you have been risen with him, dead in him, risen with him, joined together in his death, burial, and resurrection, as seen in Romans 6, then you are commanded to walk the same way he walked. Not aliens, not misaligned, not contrary to the way he walked, but the same way in which he walked. That's important stuff. And so I want to use these last few minutes to remind you, brothers and sisters, that you have a call to be not like the world, but to be holy. And Peter quotes from Leviticus, Be ye holy, for I, the Lord, am holy. You are a royal priesthood, right? You are called of God for his sake. And this, my friends, this world is not your home. Christian, what are you focused on? Are you more focused on your career? Are you more focused on the money in the bank? Are you more focused on your investments, your possessions, your material things? Are you more concerned about relationships? At the end of the day, although these may not all be unlawful, these things could be your snare. And although these are not wrong to have in this world, the problem is, where has your heart taken you? Is it fully for Christ, or are you considering yourself one who is partial? Remember, there is no part-time Christianity. You are called to a full-time death, a full-time denial, and a full-time commitment to walk in the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to urge you through these short moments of time, I hope that this has blessed you. And please do share this to your friends and loved ones because I believe many young people need to hear this. Many of the church needs to hear this. Remind them with great warning, we are not called to love the world.
but we are not of this world for we are chosen by God just as he said uh, to his disciples in John chapter 15 that he has chosen us and if we are of the world the world will love its own but because you are not the world hates you does the world hate you brothers and sisters now I'm not saying go out there and be hated but the reality is we will be hated because there's something different that we project and it's the truth that is found in Christ the truth that passes all generations that has been there since the beginning that's what the world hates and if indeed you are living Christ-like you are worthy of the name Christian because in Acts 11:26, when they were called Christians in Antioch really that title was not to keep them in a sect of religion but really a title of mockery Christian the title there is an honor because you suffer for the name of Jesus Christ radically and extremely take our mind from out of this world and start setting your focus on eternity what and where do you see the Lord's excellency in your Christianity headed where do you see your Christianity going is it all for the world or is it for Christ that's why I hope for this short moment this has raised great conviction into our hearts and that somehow this has helped you in your spiritual walk to examine yourself of where your state of mind is, your heart and passions are. And um, I hope that this would be of use to your friends, your loved ones, and to your fellow brothers and sisters in church. And so I encourage you, brothers and sisters, continue in loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. And even if we are in this world of sin, we are given grace to survive. And even if we are not perfect, we're, we are still people who fall and sin and stumble. God is our advocate who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's why this is Pastor John Alvarez thanking you for another time in your tuning in and listening in onto this episode. May the Lord God bless you through the week. Bye-bye.